0: Uh, take your Bibles. Go to First or Second Corinthians. Was well, good to be out on a snowy, blustery day. I like it, man. I just like it. Go down south. I've been down south. You get down there, it's just like always a mess. Now, if you just like, if you just like uh, snorkeling, and, and Bahamas are great, man. I mean, the Navy, we went down there all the time. But I like, I just like uh, just two or three distinct seasons. I don't really care for winter, really, really, a whole lot. Uh, I wish it was like shorter, maybe like a month and fall was a little longer and spring was a little longer, but it's not second, second Corinthians chapter 11, three verses would to God, you could bear with me a little in my folly and indeed bear with me for I am jealous over you with a godly jealousy for I've espoused you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear. Least uh, by any means, as the serpent begotten you through his subtly, subtly, I never can pronounce that word right. So your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Father, thank you for your blessings this morning. I just uh, thank you for everybody that came out. Lord, thank you for Brother Tom this morning, Sunday school class. And uh, Lord, I just pray now that you'd give us something out of your precious word. And Lord, uh, bless the baptism afterwards. And Lord, uh, all the, uh, the visitors we got today, bless them. Get, just, Lord, just thank you for a church to come to on a Sunday morning. Uh, it might be blustering cold outside, but we have heat in here, and, and Lord, we can still have church on Sunday. We haven't been stopped yet, so I just want to thank you for that. Uh, Lord, thank you, Brother Stahl and uh, Miss Ruth, as they're traveling back up. They're coming through Atlanta. I just pray that you'd bless them, get them here safely. Uh, Father, and all the other families that are out, Brother Joe, and uh, I'm not sure how many others are out, still on their way back or heading this way. I just pray that you'd put your hand upon them. Thank you for the singers this morning, and Father, we'll praise you and honor you in Jesus' precious holy name. Amen. Amen. I was sitting there looking at this passage. And uh, all the singing and everything they've done today, uh, it just goes, goes right along with it. I told Brother Tom uh, his Sunday school lesson went right, it's a simple, simple thing. I said it's a Sunday school lesson went right with it uh, that I could spring off his. Last week he, was, he wanted to do Sunday school last week, but his car broke down. And uh, he called me up uh, like 8, 8.45 or 9 o'clock, something like that, and said, hey, my, my car's broke, can't get there. And, and so I, I was sitting there this morning, about 7 o'clock, called him and said, hey, Brother, I mean, last week you didn't get to do Sunday school. I didn't know if you wanted to do it or not. I was ready for it. And, and he goes, yeah, brother, I'd really like to do that. And he, he taught on some, uh, some just simple things, man, some simple things. Uh, you need to let the Lord reign richly in you. I mean, you need to just let the peace of God rule. That's what you need. Uh, this world is going crazy, man. Paul was sitting here. I was reading this passage over the weekend. Paul was sitting here, and he said, would to God you would bear with me a little in my folly. I, sometimes man, I thank God that you all bear with me in my folly. Uh, you, I, you know, preaching is one of those things where if you get up here long enough, you'll stick your foot in your mouth. Uh, after many, many years, you get used to it. You like the taste of shoe leather. I mean, you get used to the stuff uh, and, you, and you can go through the stuff, but a lot of times it is folly. It is, it's, you know, Paul's sitting here talking to the Corinthian church and uh, he, he's, he's asking them some questions or he's telling them some stuff. He's trying to get them to where they see what's going on in his life and, and what he cares. He really cares for this church. He really cares for his people. Uh, The hardest thing you'll ever do is care for people. And you really never know that until you get into a place like where I'm at right now as a pastor of a church. Uh, You start having a few sheep in the the flock and and then you start realizing sometimes you got to back away from them and let them live their lives. The hardest thing I've ever had to do is back away. I think I should tell every one of y'all what to do. The only problem is, is if I tell you what to do and it don't work, you're going to blame me. And then i got to deal with that undo, undoing everything that I told you to do that I can help you. And then that's just one person. But if you've got 100 people, now you've got 100 different. You know the best thing you can do sometimes is just back away and say, Lord, they're yours. I've done the best I can. I've, I've done everything I can do, but I, I am not a miracle worker. I am not you. Paul is sitting here. He writes this to the corner. It's a, it's a carnal church. It's a second epistle to him. And, and they're a carnal church just like we're carnal. Man, we are the Laodicean church, if you ever seen it. I'm telling you, we're about as carnal as you can get. But if you stick on all the carnality of everything, no, you wouldn't be doing nothing. I mean, I don't, I don't see what you could possibly, you can't even get out of bed in the morning if you're not carnal. I mean, it's like, we do eat meat. I, I like meat. I love meat. I, I just, give me meat. I don't, I don't like no meat burgers. I'm like, who in the world? <laughs> I'm carnal, I'm carnal. That's what it. but I don't like to be carnal. But Paul goes on he goes, would to God that you would bear with me a little of my folly, and, and indeed bear with me, for I am jealous over you with a godly jealousy. There's a jealousy that is right to have, and there's a jealousy that's wrong. Uh, if you're jealous, you know, if, go to Proverbs, Proverbs, I've got a couple verses, I'm going to get in the message, I got a, man, I tell you what, I, I was sitting there laughing this morning, I was busting out laughing, uh, not at anybody here in particular, but at me mainly, uh, Proverbs, 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 I got one here in Proverbs somewhere, jealousy, 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 where's my proverbs verse? Man, I know it was here. It was like Proverbs 6. Proverbs 634. Proverbs 634. I just want to read a couple of verses and I'll tell you a little story of what made me start laughing. I'll preach a message. We got a baptism today. What a blessing. Uh, there's a lot of, lot of story behind that, but it's just a blessing. 634. It says, For jealousy is the rage of a man, therefore he will not spare in the day of vengeance. He will not regard any ransom. Neither will he rest content, though you give many gifts. You can't. Jealousy, the wrong type of jealousy, will get to the place where you can't control your emotions. You can't control your your uh, your your uh, your demeanor. I mean, you go just completely wild, and you do stuff that you would never. You say things. John uh, or uh, Brother Tom said some things. Sometimes you say things you wouldn't normally say or you wouldn't think you'd say, but jealousy is, is a, is a, is a, a neg- can be a negative thing. And, and you need to learn, we need, all need to learn how to control that. But Paul says, I am jealous over you with a godly jealousy. Paul did some work. Paul come out of, out of, out of uh, being a, a scribe and a Pharisee, uh, the Sanhedrin's, I mean, he was trained, he was educated, he knew everything. Sometimes you gotta back that stuff down and he had to realize that you, we are not his, we are the Lord's. And he just got the privilege to guide and direct some people to the Lord and give them, so many people wanna put people under their thumbs and you do it my way. And, and I'm telling you what, brother, if we did it everybody's way, you, I was in the Navy, oh, they'd come out every day, I'd get up in my, my office and I'd get this stack of paper. And and somebody in Washington, D.C. would say, hey, if if this little sailor would just do this, boy, he'd be such a better sailor. And you'd put that piece of paper down and pick up another piece of paper and somebody else in Washington ain't got nothing to do but think about what other people should do because they don't have nothing to do. If he would just do this, he would be such a better sailor. And Pretty soon you got a stack of paper that tall and you still got to do everything you're supposed to do on a ship and they want you to do all this stuff too. And I'm like, when are we going to quit trying to tell other people what to do? You know what makes a grown-up a grown-up when they get to the place where they figure out how to do it themselves? I like kids, man. I think babies, I got one over my house right now. I think they're the cutest thing in the whole wide world. Then they start walking and getting into everything they're not supposed to get into. Then they grow up and get into everything they're not supposed to get into. Then they move out and get into everything they're not supposed to, but that's okay. After they move out, I don't care. (laughs) I'm back at home again, but jealousy. Go to Genesis, or Exodus 20. We'll look at one verse here and just get God's take on jealousy, what he thinks. Paul, Paul got God's thoughts. Line upon line, precept upon precept. Here a little, there a little. He got God's thoughts. But Paul, this, this, is not, this is not the message. It has nothing to do with jealousy. 20. 20. Verse 5. Paul's sitting there talking. Or <laughs> Paul's talking. Moses is talking. God's talking to Moses. Man, I tell you what, I don't, I'm having a problem because somehow I'm up in 19.5. 19 I need five. What do I need? What do I need? 25. I'll get there myself in a minute. I'm not like Tom. I'm not quite that old, but dementia does set in. <laughs> He's the Ten Commandments, and uh, number five says, Thou shalt not bow down thyself. Actually, let's go back to four. Let's start the thing the right way. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness above. Uh, uh, in, that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them. For I am the Lord thy God and am a jealous God. Visiting the iniquities of the fathers upon the children until the four, third and fourth generation. Go, go over to uh, 34, Exodus 34, 14. Exodus thirty-four fourteen says this. For thou shalt worship no other god for the Lord whose name is jealous is a jealous God. You know, God's a jealous God. Paul got a hold of that thing early. I'm sure glad Adam came back. Man, my voice would be totally shot right now if he hadn't been back. I'd have done the song leading. But God is, is a jealous God. And Paul is sitting there and says, I am jealous over you. Paul wants to see those Corinthians go in the right direction toward God. He wants them to see, he wants to see them be part of what the Lord wants to do. Uh, he's spending his life and his time not just to spend his life and get accolades. Accolades mean actually nothing on this world. If you can't take it out of this world into the next one, anything we do is a waste. So the hardest thing you'll ever do is get in to say, what does the Lord want? What would he have me to do? What Paul did was just that. He sit there and he goes, he goes, it's a godly jealousy. It produces godly jealousy. The right kind of jealousy will produce a positive outcome. I mean, I wouldn't ever want to see my wife with somebody else. I wouldn't want to, I, I'm sure she wouldn't want to see me with anybody else. I, I'm positive of that. She, I, well, she wouldn't. I would be dead is what I would be. I mean, that's exactly where I'd be. She's already looked at me and gave me them flamey eyeballs. So I already know where, where that goes. But when you sit there and look at jealousy, jealousy sometimes will make you do the right things. Because you want somebody to do the right thing. There's nothing wrong with being jealous to get somebody to move in the right direction. I hope you understand what I'm saying. Number two, it says, "For I, the rest of that verse says, for I have espoused you to one husband. Paul knew exactly what he was doing. Paul was not trying to start a ministry. He was trying to get people closer to Jesus Christ. He knew exactly what he was doing. He pointed them to Calvary, number one. He pointed them to Jesus Christ, number two, right on it. In the condition of a chaste, he wanted them to be clean and holy and pure. And he wanted them to be able to stand before Jesus Christ in a perfect life. He wanted them to walk the perfect walk with Jesus Christ. That's what he he wanted to give the Lord was a chaste virgin. He wanted to give him a bride that was was worth having, a bride that was worth dying for. That's what Jesus did. He, He did that in the condition of a chaste virgin, he said, pure, holy, and with joy. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, Brother Tom went over some things today about joy and peace and, and, and if you're, and jealousy's okay, the right jealousy, God's jealous over us. You say, well, why would he allow all this stuff to happen? Because he wants you to do right and he wants me to do right. And Sometimes he adds things into our lives and takes things out of our lives to get us a little bit closer to him and we look at that like, oh, why did you do that to me? And he goes, it's for your own good. I was sitting here as I was putting this message together, I was trying to get a direction to go in my mind. Because you read a passage and sometimes, I I had a word, a word popped out. Let me finish this. He said that I may present you, go over to Ephesians. Ephesians five. I'm just about ready to get into the message. Hopefully. And I'll be out of here, I gotta gotta baptize somebody. (laughs) Before the water gets cold. We heated it up to 100 degrees. Ephesians 5, Ephesians 5, 4, uh, Ephesians 5, 30. Paul is continuing on. He goes, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. He, he, his heart's desire was to give the Lord Jesus Christ something, and he spent his life and his time to help others reach that point so that Jesus Christ would get the bride he deserves. I don't know about you, but man, I think, man, it's a, it's a craziest thing in the whole wide world. But, but when Paul did all this, Ephesians 5.30, Ephesians 5.30 says this. He goes, For this cause shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall join unto his wife, and the two shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you, in particular, so love his wife, even as himself, And the wife see that she reverence her husband. Paul was not trying to get somebody to love him. He was trying to get them to love Jesus, him. That's who he's trying to get them to love, him. And he was doing everything he could to get them to love him. He did everything. He did not want a wolf to come in and take the sheep out and get them to go in another direction. He didn't want no part of that. He didn't want no part of another church coming in and doing what they're doing. No, he wanted to get them to Jesus Christ. I've been in so many churches. And it's like, you do what I tell you to do or else get out of here. I've had pastors tell me, the only thing I want you for is your money. I'm like, then you really don't want me. If you don't want me, you don't want my money. But the whole thing is, is really, each and every one of us in here, we're, child, we're children of the king. And I was sitting here as I was looking at this message this morning, I said, Lord, I don't know exactly what to do with this thing or how to put it together. I'm looking at something I'm trying to get in my mind. He goes, for this cause, is there not a cause? That passage starts right there in Ephesians. He goes, for this cause. David said, is there not a cause? He came up to Goliath and he said, is there not a cause? He goes, there's this big old stinking giant out there. And he's making fun of God's people. And he's making fun of God. And I don't like, it. you know what David was? He was jealous. He had a godly jealousy for God's people. He had a godly jealousy for God. He, in his heart, you know why God loved David? Because David loved God. David said, hey, you ain't going to talk to my God like that. I ain't going to put up with it, man. He said, I'll take you out now. We can't obviously go in the workplace and do that today. Well, I guess you could, but you wouldn't be in the workplace very long. Uh, but, but you got to sit there and be, be wise as a serpent, harmless as a dove. You got to sit. David, man, he said, I'm going to take that guy out. Little bitty scrawny kid, man, goes out there and takes out a giant. Why? Because God sits there and said, I like that. I like that, man. Have you ever thought that sometimes the Lord will just answer a prayer for you, just like about that fast, and you'll sit there and start laughing? I was sitting there this morning. I told Beth about this. I was sitting there this morning trying to figure out how to do, and like any other good preacher, man, I go out to sermonaudio.com. I already knew what I was going to preach, and I'm looking for another sermon out there somewhere. There's thousands of them. I was looking for another sermon that I could get kind of a direction or thought, because sometimes you listen to the way somebody else puts something, and it'll give you a thought on which way you want to go with something. Couldn't find anything. I looked through all the sermons, uh, you know, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3. I couldn't find a sermon anywhere that I even, I was like, ah, nah, 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 throw it all away. Then I thought about a friend of mine. I said, well, let me look up him, and on SermonAudio.com, seven sermons showed up that he he did on SermonAudio.com. Had nothing to do with what I was preaching. And I'm sitting there going, okay. I looked down the list, and I said, well, let me look at this one. I said, this one kind of, it kind of was giving me a ring in my head. And I said, I'll listen to this thing, and I put the put it on and start listening to it. And, and he, his illustrations, uh, his indu- introductions about, uh, it just goes on and, on and on and on and on and on. And I mean, you get just as much out of the introduction as you do the preaching. But he finishes the introduction. I'll tell you what, the title of this message, let me give you the title before I do anything. When you forget God, God doesn't forget you. I'm sitting there and I, I'm, he gets through about 15 minutes of the message, message an hour long and he reads the verses and he goes, my friend up in Ohio, Brother Elliot, would you pray for me? And I'm sitting here going, what? <laughs> I said, where did that come from? I mean, randomly you pick a message out of someplace out there someplace that there's thousands and thousands of messages and you, this one kind of gets right, gets a, you look at it it's like, what's well, really not what I want, but you know what it was? It was exactly what I needed. The Lord says, hey, I've never forgot you. You may sometimes think I for, you forget me and you don't think I care, but look at this, you pick a message out. And I said, that gotta be another Elliot. And then I hear the guy praying. I'm like, oh, Lord, that's me, man. <laughs> I said, that is me. I said, how did that happen? And then I just start busting out laughing because that to me might mean nothing to you at all. But to me, it was like the hand of God sitting there saying, Mike, I know where you're at 24/7. I've got stuff sitting back there, and sometimes you may feel a little of this or a little of that, and, and I got enough stuff that I can just tweak it up, man, I can bring it right up, no matter where you're at, what you're doing. And, I, and I'm like, how would you know I was sitting in that audience that night? In Indiana someplace, how would, you, how would I even figure that thing out? There was randomly, you pick a message and boom, there it is, and the Lord says, "See, I don't forget nothing." You know what I think he did? I think he randomly made me pick that message. (laughs) And and over there he says, is there not a cause? Yes, there's a cause. You got to, he told him, uh, when he told David, told them over here, there's a cause. There's a cause. We have a cause today, brother. We got a cause to serve Jesus Christ, but we're in a world that is doing some of the craziest stuff in our lives, and they're asking us to do crazy things And if you listen to everybody out there tell you what to do, Brother Tim did a message yesterday and he did it about that young prophet that went over there and and he listened to an older prophet tell him what to do and he ended up dying. The Lord clearly told him what to do. Do not go prophesy against the altar and leave. Don't eat or drink. Don't eat or drink. Leave. He didn't go all the way, he left. But then this old prophet comes up and says, hey, come back with me. I'm a prophet too. You know how many preachers will tell you, oh, just do what I tell you to do? You're insane. I'm telling you what, you're insane. If you need somebody to tell you what to do, I'm going to tell you what you need to do. You need to get with your husband, which is Jesus Christ, and ask him what to do. Now, I think you ought to get advice. There's, There's safety in the multitude of counselors. I got that. But when it boils right down to it, you better make sure you got Jesus Christ on your side. You know what Paul was doing? He was making sure that the Corinthians were getting the right food, the right stuff, to go the right path, and he wasn't in there. He goes right here, he goes on, he says, for this cause, there is a cause. Back over in Corinthians. Well, just stay there for a second in Ephesians. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother. The same, go back to Corinthians now, and here's the message. I can do it in 10 minutes, you see. You don't believe me. I don't believe me either. (laughs) Verse 3. He's talking about a man leaving his wife or leaving his mother and cleaving to his wife. We're getting ready to have a wedding here in January. And that's what you all got to do, man. You're going to have to leave your mom and dads on both sides and become one. And chunk them. (laughs) I mean, chunk them over the side, 70 times (laughs) 7. Chunk them. I mean, chunk them. You say, why would you say that? Because you two are gonna have to build a life for yourselves with the Lord as the head of that family. Now, I think you should listen to your mom and dad. I think mom and dad have great, my my kids come to me all the time. They say, dad, you got some money? (laughs) Dad, dad, can I have some food? I go and buy ice cream, I hide it, and they go find it. I don't, I mean, (laughs) that's what dads are good for. (laughs) Beth, Miss Beth, can you watch our kids? It's going to get worse. The more kids we have, more grandkids we got, that's just going to happen. I told Beth, I said, you deserve everything you get because that's what you wanted. I said, I'm going I'm to go find something to do to keep me busy all day long. But you know what kids, kids are, that you have to sometimes back away and let them live their own lives because they have to learn how to walk. He's sitting here and says, he says, uh, back in 1 in, uh, Corinthians, he says, but I fear, this is what Paul's fear was. It wasn't that you didn't do what he said, or it wasn't that he didn't get something out of it. He says, Lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through subtly, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. You know, Christ, Jesus Christ, serving Jesus Christ is about the most simplest thing you'll ever do in your life. If you stop and throw everything else out. Uh, What the devil wants to do is throw all kinds of stuff in. in. Because he said here and what God means, he said he beguiled Eve. You know, Eve, Eve gets a lot of the bad rap, which she started the whole thing. Uh, she was in a garden, perfect garden, no problem at all. Everywhere she was at, it was perfect. She had had anything she wanted. She, she, the, she had, you know, the, the guy would die for her. The guy loved her, Adam. He loved her. He gave her everything. She had everything she wanted. She, she didn't want for anything. Matter of fact, she didn't even know she needed anything. Uh, and one day the devil comes up and just a little by little by little starts beguiling her and gets her to where She's going. And next thing you know, she's over next to this tree where she shouldn't have been to start with, and Adam should have kept her from there. But long story short, it's already happened. We've been there, done that, got the T-shirt. we still got to deal with it. But it says, but I fear. Paul is saying, hey, Satan will get you if you let him. That, That young prophet let an older prophet, just because he was a prophet, get to him. And that older prophet told him, I'm a prophet too. Okay, that's fine. But what did the Lord tell you to do? He told me to get out of here. So you're letting an older prophet usurp the authority of God in your life. Paul was saying you are theirs. Take your Bibles, go to John chapter 20, and here's the message. Eve, he mentions Eve. You know what sometimes, and the title of this message is, when you forget God. There's times in our lives where things just mount up and mount up and mount up, and we forget God. We say, oh, no, we don't. Yeah, we do. We forget the Lord Jesus Christ. We forget him. In this passage here, you've got uh, John chapter 20. John chapter 20. It's a the crucifixion's already occurred. It's the first day of the week, uh, verse 1. Down in verse 6, it says, verse 26, chapter 20, verse 6, it says, Then comes Simon Peter, following him. John's, John's headed there. Simon's right behind him, following him. And went into the sepulcher to see the linen clothes lie. And the napkin that was about his head and not lying with the linen clothes, but wrapped together in a place by itself. Then went he in, then went in also the other disciple, which uh, came first to the sepulchre, and he saw and believed. For as of yet, they knew not the scripture that he must die and rise again. They didn't know. You know, they had gotten to a place where they thought Jesus Christ was gone. That he wasn't coming back. The two on the road to Emmaus did the same thing over in Luke. They were walking said, didn't you know? Didn't you know what happened today? And, and their mindsets, all of a sudden, they think that God had forgotten them. But he said in Corinthians, he said, Eve. You know, he never forgot Eve. What a blessing, man. Have you ever stopped to think about that? I I knew I was looking at that passage. I kept saying, I, I see what I want to do with it, but I didn't know how to do with what I wanted to do. I'm like, Lord, you never forgot Eve. Here in this passage over in Corinthians, you're saying Eve was beguiled. You know what Eve is? She is still his. And he still loves her. And he loves Adam. And he loves Enoch. And he loves Noah. And he loves Moses. And he loves me. And he loves you. And he never forgets. What the devil wants us to do is is do something to forget him. You know what he did? He got Eve off to the side. And all of a sudden... Even though they were talking about, yea, have God said, she had forgotten who he was. And then she sins and they go hide themselves in a bunch of trees. Like that's going to really get you away from the eyes of God. The eyes of the Lord go to and fro everywhere. You're not going to get away from that. But we don't know that sometimes. Sometimes we think God doesn't love us anymore. Have you ever felt like God hasn't loved, doesn't love you no more? Like he's so far away from you that he doesn't? Here in these passages, and I'm going to look at a couple of them here real quick, and I'll just buzz through them because it won't take me very long. Peter and John comes to the tomb, and Mary's already there, and they all think that Jesus is gone and that he's not coming back and that he's, he didn't rise from the dead. They don't know where his body's at. They're looking for that. Their whole, the whole world is all just a jumble in their heads, and, and the Lord's the furthest thing from them, and he's right behind her. Sometimes the Lord is the furthest. We think he's so far from us and he's right there standing next to us. I like that song, Under His Wing, man. You know what, I, I picture myself a lot of times, I'm like under his wing all the time. That's exactly where I want to stay. I don't want to go nowhere else. Right there's about the safest place you can go. And look at uh, little Wally, man, he's over the house. He came in and he sees me, a big guy, and he's a little bitty guy and he just screams. Uh, he, he, he runs to mommy, which is the greatest thing in the world to do. That's exactly what you should do. Then he looks at me. And then I'll start getting to him, he'll start screaming. And he'll go. Now, after he's been there a while and he's got used to me, he's actually smiling and laughing at me, which I don't understand that one yet either. I'm, I'm trying to figure that thing out. But, but he's, he's getting more comfortable with me. You know, sometimes you got to watch that stuff, getting comfortable with people. Sometimes getting comfortable is the worst thing you could ever do. You ought to get comfortable with Jesus Christ first. And then you can find the ones you need to get comfortable with. Don't, don't ever get to the place. I like that, man. When you forget God, God does not forget you. He did not forget Eve, and he did. He said, Adam, where are thou? He went for them. They didn't know what to do. He knew what to do. You know, Peter, James, Mary, the two guys gone on the road to Emmaus, all the rest of them, none of them, Thomas down, I'll talk about Thomas here in second too. none of them knew. They believed he was gone, and he wasn't coming back, and that they left him, them, and Jesus is right there with him the whole time. And you sit there and start laughing at that thing. When I, when I heard that preacher say, Brother Elliot, would you pray for me? I just started busting out laughing. Because it was just like the Lord just saying, here's, you want a handful of purpose this morning? said, so you get up at three o'clock in the morning to start a message and start looking through some stuff and do this and do this and get it in your head right. And you sit there and laugh and you say, how am I going to do it? He said, do it like this and do it like this and do it like this. He goes, Mike, I've never forgot you. He said, no matter where you've been in the last 42 years, I've never forgot you. Anywhere on this planet, I've never forgot you. You know I haven't, but somehow the devil will get in there and make us think that he is a million miles from us, or we have gotten a million miles. He's a lot of times right there, right beside you. And you just have to say, no, wait a second. I know what the Lord told me to do. I know what he said. That's what I'm going to do. And all of a sudden that joy will start coming back in, the, the happiness coming back in. You know, Peter disqualified himself. Sometimes we do that to ourselves. We think because we mess up so bad that there's just well, no way God can you. He never said that. The gifts and calling to God are without repentance. If he saved you, guess what? You're saved. <laughs> and you can't get out of that. I don't care how bad you think you feel or how bad you disqualify yourself. I'm not worthy. Of course you're not worthy. Who is? I'm not either. I get up here a lot of times. I don't, I'm like, Lord, I'm not again, please. I don't, you know, I, he's like. What did I tell you to do? Preach. What are you going to do? Well, I'm going to preach. And if it falls apart, it's your fault. <laughs> if they all leave. I've been trying to get you all to leave for over 15 years. And you haven't done it yet. As a matter of fact, we get in visitors every now and then. That's even worse. They just keep coming. You know you would think you do everything you possibly can not to fail. And yet your flesh, your old man just comes up out of that thing somewhere and makes you feel... Peter Peter disqualified himself. You know what disqualification that did? That that discouraged him. Those two guys on the road to Emmaus, they were discouraged. Peter was discouraged. Mary was discouraged. John, John was like, ah, something ain't right with this picture, man. Something's going on here. I don't understand. But you get some discouragement going on there. Peter takes them out in a few seconds. He's going to take them out, and they're all going to go boat riding out there fishing. That's the first thing you'll do when you start getting discouraged. You'll go back to your old, old nature. Instead of drawing closer to God, you'll, you'll draw back the way you were before. You know what y'all ought to do? I read my Bible not to read my Bible to say I'm some super spiritual person. I read my Bible so, man, I can get that stuff in my head. So when somebody said, uh, Brother Tim uh, was talking about that stuff yesterday, and he, as he was quoting passages over there, I, a, a verse in Psalms just popped right in my head. So, boom, there it is. I said, yep, that's exactly the same thing he's saying right over in Psalms. David said that. He said, someone my equal will come up and you will give them creeds. It's not the person, man, that's sitting out there with, with the spiked hair and, and the, the, the pin necks and all that other stuff around and, and banging their head against it. Those aren't the people you're going to be worried about. The ones you need to worry about are people like me. We walk up and say, oh, brother, man, I, I know exactly how you feel. Uh, no, I'll tell you what, y'all pray for brother Tom. Brother Tom's got a wife in the nursing home and he'll tell you the same thing. And he cannot take care of her anymore at his age. He cannot do it. And he comes up to me and says, brother, what should I do? I said, brother, what the doctors told you to put her in a nursing home and she needs medical help constantly around the clock. I said, and you need to let go of that thing and just accept it. And just the Lord, there's nothing you can do. It's not Tom's fault that the medical facilities are keeping his wife alive for another 10 years. That's what, brethren, that's what this world is all about. They're gonna keep the quality of life. I look at the quality of life. You say, oh, oh, you say we should euthanize everyone. I didn't say that. But 150 years ago, things would have been totally different. And now all of a sudden, you can go into the hospital and they can put you on machines and keep you alive forever. And you say, what is that? That's, if it doesn't make sense, there's a buck in it. And I'm sitting there going, Lord, how, and here's an old man sitting there trying to do the right thing. And I said, brother, you can't let that stuff, and all, he gets a smile on his face and he walks away. He goes, yes, man, he gets that old step back and he didn't fall down, he didn't have to, he didn't pick none of them, throw it all over the ground or anything like that. But I mean, he had a good time. He, he's, all of a sudden, he, he told me that. He said, brother, thank you. I said, brother, I have never walked in your shoes. Never. I had a daughter that was sick that, that they told me this, this, and this. I said, look. look. I said, Lord, she's yours. You do what seems good in your eyes, and then I'm going to give you the glory no matter what happens. You say, well, what is that? That's trust in God. When the world starts falling down and everything goes, the best thing you could do is keep it simple. Get back to Jesus. You know what Paul did? He tried to point him to Jesus. Stay on Jesus, get to Jesus, stay with Jesus, find Jesus, don't get away from Jesus, don't go to some, some tongues, sp- oh man, I- you can get off on all this. There's some churches out there that you just, I was born and raised Roman Catholic. I tell you what, you can throw all that stuff out the window, throw them all out the window. I got a Bible, man, I thank God that he put a Bible in my hand in 1984 and he said, actually he put it in my hand in 1980, but I didn't know what it was. 1984, I knew exactly what that thing was. And for my, from 1984 to today, I have no problem thinking the King James Bible is Word of God. Do I, I? I got a bachelor's degree. I got three years of Greek, a year of Hebrew. I didn't need none of that stuff. God showed me. You know what he says? He says, Mike, I'll show you, I've never forgot you. For the four years, for years after that, I was like, Lord, why didn't you just put me in a church somewhere? He goes, because if you got in the wrong church and the wrong around the wrong people, they would convince you that other versions were just as good as the King James, even if they use the King James. I'm like, he goes, you need to get in your mind that this thing is it. And then when you pick it up and you start reading it, and I tell you what to do, that's what you do. And don't you let nobody, t- I'll send a line and he'll eat you. You say, there ain't no lions in America. Out, out west here and uh, east, uh, there's a guy out there that had a bunch of animals, and they all got loose. And there were some animals, there were some wild animals out there for a while that got loose, and they finally had to go out there and get them all, move them all around. Don't tell me there ain't, there's lines. of a zoo. Them suckers will get loose from the zoo and come and find you. <laughs> if the Lord says a lion's going to eat you, it's going to eat you. You don't have to worry about that. He's got plenty of lions. You'll get discouraged. Peter denied. Look at, look at Thomas. Well, let's, let's look at a couple of these verses first. 20, chapter 20. But Mary, verse 11, but Mary stood without the sepulcher weeping. She should. She, she's sad. I mean, she'd been around Jesus Christ for a long time. She'd watch all the stuff he's done, and they have seen the grace and the mercy and the love and the, just, the, just the demeanor of Jesus Christ, just the strangest thing in the world. I couldn't even imagine being in that day with him. I mean, you just you knew it. You knew. You knew. But, the, but learning, learning, knowing, or hearing and knowing is two different things. They had to get to the place where they knew. Not just that they heard, but they knew who he was. You know what Paul one of them to become is knowers, doers, man. He James says doers. Everybody says, well, now you're talking work. No, there's a difference. When you come to know Jesus Christ, your life will change. It will change because now you're looking at him and not somebody else. When I offend somebody, I'm offended. He, he quoted that verse over in Hebrews. Because you, let me get, let's see if I can find it real quick. He was in Hebrews, I think it's four, might have been 10. Let me get there, don't go away. But he read that verse and I, I was sitting there going, what a, I said, Tom, I said, you hit everything just like just as if I was gonna do it. I actually, you did it better than me. Do-ba-do-ba. Hang on there, don't go away. We're coming up on it. He was talking about let. I think it was chapter four. Maybe it wasn't. Was it 10? Anybody take notes? Hebrews, 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 Hebrews. I had it. Oh, here it is. Yeah, yeah, verse 23. Hebrews, it was uh, ten twenty-three. He says, "...let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke uh, unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as, as some manner of some is, but exhorting one another..." And so much the more as you see the day approaching. You know what we're supposed to do is encourage each other. Why? To serve Jesus Christ in our own lives. There is so much stuff that we can do out there. I'm I'm coming to the place where I'm realizing it's not about just soul winning. It's about the souls that are one who is helping them grow to the place where they need to be so they can go out and do the same thing. You know, if you find somebody in your life like Paul did and you get them to where they're, they're grown to a place where they can stand on their own two feet, now they can go get somebody and you can go get somebody. Now you got two more that you can start with. It's called discipling. You know what's wrong with our church today? Nobody wants to spend the time to disciple anybody. Number one, they don't want to be discipled themselves. You know, the first thing you need to do is get that thing, but he told Timothy that. We need to learn some things first and then be able to give those mysteries to other people. We need to find people who are willing to learn the right way. And once you get that, Paul was sitting there telling the Corinthians, I espoused you to Jesus. You know what I've done? The best I could do in my entire life is try to get them to Jesus. If you can just get them to Jesus and then help them to Jesus and then sit there and and help them along the way because sometimes, you know, we're all like little babies. I imagine, man, I can't even imagine... The first four years, I used to think the Lord never would let me get in church because I was so messed up. And I would just mess up any church I went into. I was a rebel. Rebel isn't even the word for it. I mean, I don't even know how you could even classify what I was those first four years. I smoked cigarettes. And if you came up to me and told me that, what, no, you're not to your body. is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have God, and you're not of your own. You are bought with a price. I would have blown smoke right in your face. I would, <laughs> get out of my face. And I'd light up another. I might light up two at the same time. I was a rebel, didn't even know it. And then as time goes on, the Lord says, Hey, Mike, come now, let us reason together. I I hate it when he does stuff like that. Come now, let us reason together. Isaiah, saith the Lord, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as wool. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as snow. He goes, Mike, you love me? I said, Yes, sir. You know I do, Lord. I'm like Peter. (laughs) You know, Lord, you know I love you. He goes, What do you think people think about you with that cigarette hanging out of your mouth? You know, when he says it, it's like different than when anybody else says it. I don't know about you, but when he says it, I'm like, oh, I just bought that pack of carton of cigarettes. It's like 10 packs. I just took the first cigarette out of the first pack. I mean, that's like $3 at the ship store. Now it's like $300. But I'm like, $3? Can we talk about this like after the last one is gone? No. Tell me to deal with it, five minutes. I'll quit smoking for five minutes. And I haven't touched a cigarette since 1985. You say, what is that? That's getting to Jesus. He, what, what somebody did was they espoused me to Jesus. And they put me in a path, and the Lord says, Mike, I want you to go down this path with me. I want you to go down this path with me. And when somebody tried to get me off that path, and it happened a couple times, I, I, I chunked them and went down that path. And after 42 years, I've had people say, how did you get where you're at? I don't know, man. I just picked up a Bible and started reading, and I got saved. And then it said, do this, I did that. It said, do this, I did that. And it said, do this. And he said, oh, you're reading that out of context. Maybe I did. (laughs) But I'm here today. I mean, it worked. I don't understand how you can say, and when the Holy Spirit takes a verse and runs that thing through your life like this, when he says, but the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom I will send, he will teach you all things and bring all things to your marriage whatsoever I have said unto you. Because Mike, what have I ever said to you? Well, if you've never got it down, this is it. It isn't the N-I-V-R-S-V-A-S-V-J. He no, nah, no, nah, it's this one. And this is what he said. And he said, if you'll take what I say, it'll change your life. You know what Peter's problem was? He didn't have the word of God yet. James didn't have the word of God. Paul didn't have the word of God. But they started getting it. He goes on to, he says, don't let someone inti- intimidate you. Don't, I never let them intimidate you. Uh, you are a child of the king, and you are the bride of Jesus. If you're in this room today and you're saved... You are the bride of Christ. As a whole, the church, as an as a organism, is the bride of Christ. But I'm his, and he is mine. And I don't ever have to worry about losing any part of that. I'm his, and he is mine. And I like that verse where Tom was talking about this morning, come boldly unto the throne of grace. He didn't tell me just come to cowardly in there and, and my tail tucked between my legs. No, he said, come boldly, man. He said, you got rights to come to this altar anytime you want and ask anything you want. I'm sitting there this morning thinking, Lord, I need something from you on high, man. He goes, okay, watch this. And the guy says, Mike Elliott, will you pray? I'm like, that's quick. <laughs> that's quick, man, that's quick. Out of the same breath, the same preacher said, you shouldn't go on the internet and get your messages off the internet. <laughs> I'm like, well, wait a minute. It's kind of, well, I said, but this was good. I'm gonna take what you gave me and move on with that. But when he mentioned Eve in that thing, I said, she's the one who started the whole thing. He didn't say that woman. He said, Eve, you know, he says to us, he'll say, Mike, come on, Mike, Mike, come on, get back up, man. Don't, don't stay down there. You you can fall you can fall. A righteous man falls seven times and gets back up. You can fall, but get back up. We let things hurt us in life. And you got to sit there and say, no, 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 no. Jesus never intended to hurt us, but sometimes he'll allow things to go through in our lives that just change our lives. And you got to get to the place where you let it change your life. Because you, the closer you get to him, Brother Levi, I mean, he's been up here talking, man, and we'll go off, I mean, we'll go off all kinds of stuff, just crazy stuff off the wall as we're working on Brother John's house. And I'm sitting there going, you sit there and he's, he's getting it. And when I'm looking at him the same way I was uh, 30, 45 years ago, he's right where I was at, and he's been in this thing for 10 years, and in 20 years, he's gonna be looking. And you know what he's trying to do? Help others. I'm like, That's, I'd rather. I, I said, I'd rather work with a guy like that all day long. You know what he's trying to do is get others and help others get others and help others get others and what? Get them to Jesus. That's what you need to do. You know what Paul did? You know when Paul died, he was by himself pretty much. For some reason we think we got to be in a big church with lots of people, and that's where God's at. No, not really. Uh, a jail cell in Rome, God could be just as much there as anywhere else on a ship in the middle of the ocean on a on the fantail of a ship in the middle of the ocean with nobody else around. Jesus Christ can be on the back of that fantail, and you can have just as much fun there as you can anywhere else. With you if you're with him. Mary calls out verse 16. She doesn't even know Jesus, verse 15 says, And Jesus said to her, Woman, why weepest thou? Have you ever got to a place where you just cried? She's sitting there crying her eyeballs out. Jesus is right next to her, but she doesn't know it. She's crying her eyeballs out. Why? She lost the one she loved. Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seek thou? She supposed him to be the gardener. Said him, sir, if thou hast borne him hence, tell me where thou hast laid him. She still thinks he's dead. And I will take him away. Jesus said unto her, Mary. He never forgets you. He knows your name. He knows your name. He knows my name. He knows. He said, Mike. You ever heard that small, still voice in the back of your head, Mike? It's the Lord. It's the Lord sitting there saying, Mike, George, I know, I know you, I know you, I paid for you, I bought you. I saw my mom yesterday. She still can't grasp Jesus Christ, what he did for her. And we sit on the phone, we always get in an argument a fight. She's 90 years old. I feel sorry for her. I don't know what to do for her. But I said, mom, I said, it's free. Do you not understand It's free. She goes, well, that's what you Baptists always say. Well, I say it always. Say. No, 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 no. Once you get it, yeah, it's that way. But getting it is difficult. I said, let me ask you a question. I said, you got a car, don't you? She goes, yeah. I said, do you ever run out of gas or get lower on gas? She goes, yes. I said, do you pull up to the gas pump? She said, yes. I said, do you look at the gas pump and say that there's gas right there? She goes, yes. I said, do you look at your little needle and it says it's low? And she goes, yes. I said, do you just drive away? She goes, well, no. I said, that's what you do with Jesus. You pull up to Jesus, you look, and there's the gas pump Jesus. It's got everything you possibly could want right there. You don't even need a credit card. It's like free. All you have to do is, I said, you got to get out of your car, you got to take your credit card, you got to put it in your little gas pump, you got to tell it what you want, and you fill up your tank, and then you put. I said, she goes, but I just don't feel it. I said, do you feel good after you put $100 in your gas tank? She goes, well, no. I said, well, what makes you think you're going to feel good doing the right thing? I said, sometimes you do the I said, I didn't even know Jesus saved me for three weeks after I got saved. I was bawling my eyes out three weeks later. Three weeks earlier, I didn't have a clue what had happened. I didn't even know it. I didn't feel nothing. I didn't feel no difference. Three weeks later, I knew something happened. And as time went on, it just, and she said, okay, I'm going to hang up because we're going to get into a fight right now. I can see it. She says, I love God and I love the Holy Spirit, but I just don't understand how to love Jesus. I'm like, how can you not love Jesus and love God and the Holy Spirit? You can't, they're all the same. Brethren, you know what it is? It's not knowing him. She was never brought to him the right way. Somebody else got a hold of her and confused her mind. And now she, it's a simple little thing. Paul is sitting here, or Mary is sitting here not knowing. And Jesus says, Mary. And as soon as he called her name, she knew exactly who it was. You know, in our lives, sometimes we get to a place where it's just it's we get depressed. I had a, Peter was depressed. Mary was depressed. Peter disqualified himself. You'll deny yourself. Peter deserted, deserted Jesus Christ, and the Lord never forgot him. He's over on the shoreline. They're out there, and you know what will happen a lot of times is I, I, Peter. I love him to death, but. He was so backslidden that he caused a bunch of his other brothers to go backslide with him and go out fishing. Let's go fishing. I'll go with you. He's got them all backslidden. They get out there. John's even with them. John goes, hey, that's the Lord. That's the Lord. Peter jumps in the water, runs to the shoreline, gets there. Lord, doesn't, He's just like, mm-hmm, 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 cookie fish. Ch-ch-ch-ch-ch. Take your Bibles. Go, go to chapter 20. Let's look at those verses, and then I'll, I can bring this thing to a close. The same day at evening, verse 19, being the first day of the week, when, oh no, that's a, hang on, hang on, went, 21, 21. Uh, uh, verse 11, Simon Peter, 21, 11. Simon Peter went up and, and drew the net full of fishes to the land. Jesus uh, uh, said, Come and dine. They ate. Uh, it was the third time that Jesus showed himself, verse 15. So when they had dined, Jesus said, Simon, Peter, Simon, son of Jonah. call him the first thing he ever did when he first met him. Simon, we're going to call your name Peter. We're going to change it. But he calls him Simon. He says, I never forgot you. He said, Peter, I've never forgot you. The problem is, is you've let the devil into your life and other things in your life to make you think I forgot you. I didn't forget you. He said, didn't I turn around and look at you when you denied me when the cock goes rook-a-dook-a-doo? You would think that Peter would go, how did he know that? I got it, man. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I won't ever do that again. No, he take, goes off and weeps because he hadn't got it yet. But when I heard my name called on that, that message today, I was like, Lord, you got my number, man. I said, I can't get away from you no matter where I go. You think you're going to go out here and sneak something or get something or look at something else? And the Lord says, I'll get you there, man. I can, I can pull your name up anywhere I want. And you say, what is that, Peter? You know what the difference between me and Peter is? I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed against, uh, keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. I have been in this thing for 42 years. And what I've learned in 42 years is no matter how bad I feel, he is still there. And no matter how much I think he's nowhere around, I know he's right there. I got chapters and verses and everything, and he knows my name. I told him the other day, I said, Lord, don't ever leave me alone. Never take your, I said, I don't care if you put me on the shelf. I don't care if you never use me again. I said, but never take your thought out of my mind because that's all that keeps me going. You know what Paul, all he wanted to do was get somebody to Jesus. If you can get people to Jesus, each and every one of us in this room have something different to do. Each one of us, when you're saved, you're called for something. I don't know what that is. That's between you and the Lord. You know what you got to do is find out what that thing is. Some of you might end up being missionaries. Some of you might just be in a church and raise families your whole life. I think it's, I was watching my little grandson out there, little Alex running around. I remember a day when I had nothing. I remember a day when I had nothing that I would thought, I thought I would never have nothing. I can still remember those thoughts, nothing. Now I got four little grandbabies around, a wife and, and a bunch of kids and four different grandbabies. And I'm the Lord says, and you thought you'd have Nothing. He goes, see what a little time will do? And they're all in church with you. How about that? Except one, he'll be here shortly, one day. But I'm sitting there going, they're all in church. You say, what is it? I don't know. I don't know even how that happened. All I did was 42 years ago get saved and pick up a book and try to find Jesus and follow after him and look for people to guide and direct me into where he's at. You know what Paul did? He brings up Eve. Eve. And over in Ephesians he says a man shall leave his father and mother and that is exactly what the Lord said to Adam. The Lord goes right back to Adam and Eve and from that day forward he says I've never forgot anyone that's mine. He goes and I will get him through. You know what he'll get for us today? He'll get you through. You don't have to worry about a thing. John 21, 15 Simon Peter says I know you from the beginning. He got him. He's got him. Peter finally get it. He said... Peter, lovest thou me? Peter had to get to the place where he realized that I have never forgot you. Don't ever forget me. Peter, lovest thou me? Lord, thou knowest I love you. I don't think you got it yet, Peter. Peter, lovest thou me? He said, Lord, you finally he says, Peter, lovest thou me? He goes, Lord, you know I love you. He said, okay, now you got it. Don't ever forget it. But we're going through a world today that's crazy, it's insane. There's people all around us, and what we need to do is just focus right back down, right back down on Jesus. The Apostle Paul, go back over to 1 Corinthians, I'll stop right there. 1 Corinthians 11, or 2 Corinthians 11, and we'll close it down. We got a baptism here for just a couple of minutes. What a blessing that is. But I fear, at least by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ Jesus. I can say this after 42 years, I don't care how complicated we want to make it. People want to go out there and say, look what I've learned, look what I've learned, look what I've learned. But if you haven't learned how to point somebody to Jesus Christ, you haven't learned a whole lot. Paul, in this, Paul knew everything more than anybody else, and what he was trying to do is get a bunch of people to realize that, hey, you are Christ's. You're not mine. I can help guide and direct you, but you are his. I want to get you. You know what my desire, heart's desire for you guys are? Is that each and every one of you would find Jesus Christ and serve him. And if you're a hundred times what I am, I would praise God for that. I don't need any accolades. I already got it from him. I've got Jesus. What more could I possibly want? Beth was sitting there, my birthday was the other day, and she goes, What do you want for your birthday? Don't need anything. I got heaven. I got eternity. I got everything possibly out there that you could possibly ever want. I can run the rings of Saturn. I can shoot outside the universe. I can go inside the universe. I can do anything. I don't know what he's gonna allow me to do, but he's got something for me to do out there that's gonna be so great. I mean, it's, just, it's gonna take an eternity to do it or even become part of it. And I'm sitting there going, Lord, you got it. He goes, yeah, I see what happens when you get to me and not to this world. Brother, don't let this world take you out. Don't let it depress you. Don't let it discourage you. Don't think because you messed up, you done, you're disqualified. Because what the Lord's going to do is bring you right back in. He's never going to leave you nor forsake you. Never, ever, ever, ever. You know that He said the simplicity is in Christ. Keep it simple. I like an old man told me one time, keep it simple, stupid. That's exactly true. I need to just keep it simple. I don't want it to get complicated. I just want to follow Jesus. I like it. Some follow, follow. I will follow Jesus anywhere, everywhere. I will follow on. Or how about Jesus loves the little children? <laughs> how about that one? Any of them, man. I'm taking any. I like it. Simple joy. To, I don't care what it is. I like his hymn book because it's about one man over and over and over again. And over and over again, it keeps talking about it. It never stops. And when I read, in times like these, you know, you need some help. Whomsoever will, you need that. Uh, Leave me, Savior, more secure. I mean, heaven came down and glory filled my soul. When, when, when are we ever going to get to the place where we got an adversary that's trying to stop us? And he's going to stop you. That's what he's trying to do. He tried to stop Eve. I would like to say tonight that I'm here because of Eve. (laughs) He obviously didn't stop her. Her and Adam had some kids, and here I am. 6,000 years later, and it's still going on. You know what that tells me? The Lord's going to take care of the problem. Don't worry. Don't sweat the small stuff. Just get to Jesus. Paul wanted to get him to Jesus. We should be trying to get people to Jesus. We should be trying to get Jesus. Father, thank you for your blessings this morning. No, know it's a simple message, not a complicated one. Lord, you never forgot Eve. Although Peter and James and John and Mary and and, uh, the the two on the road to Emmaus thought you forgot them, that you had uh, died and and that it was all over. Uh, Lord, shortly thereafter, you showed them, Lord, that you hadn't forgot them. Lord, in this world today, sometimes in in our busy lives, uh, we tend to let things get in the way. The devil's just going to smoothly and slowly, Lord, try to pull us away from you and get us our our minds onto something else. Help us to never forget that you died for us at Calvary, that you shed your blood, and, and Lord, that I am yours and you are mine. And Lord, like the old preacher said, it's sweeter and sweeter every day. It's just getting sweeter and sweeter. Thank you for letting us come to church this morning. Uh, Lord, uh, this, like I said, this world is getting crazier by the moment. Uh, no matter which way you look, it just seems insane. But Lord, uh, we, we have to do what you tell us to do. And Lord, we just know that it'll work out in the end. Lord, help us to always stay under your wing. And Father, again, bless us now. Bless the baptism, and we'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.